All right, that's better. Can you hear me now? Do I got to say all that again? No, it's okay. <laughs> I think we're good. Um, so we're in John, John chapter 14, and we talked there two weeks ago when we introduced this. This We're on this mission with Jesus. It's kind of the series that we're in, we're calling it. And uh, this is just kind of a summary statement of, of Matthew 28, our memory verse. As you are going about life, be disciple makers, inviting everyone to follow and obey Jesus. And uh, that's the mission Jesus gave us. And so we talked, we started looking last or two weeks ago, starting in John chapter 14, um, this, they call it the farewell discourse. It was where Jesus gives these kind of final instructions. Uh, it's been, everything's been kind of leading up to this. So this is after three and a half years of ministry, the disciples have been following him, and he comes, they're coming into Jerusalem, the Passover, the biggest feast of the year. This is, everybody's there, right? And he comes in riding and fulfilling a prophecy of the Old Testament of the Messiah. They proclaim him Messiah. He doesn't stop them, right? So everything seems to be pointing to this. And then he has the Last Supper, this great intimate meal with his disciples. And then he drops his bomb on them. He tells them that, that one of them is going to betray him and then sends Judas out. You know, and then he says, okay, I'm leaving. And it just, what? It just completely disorients the the disciples, right? They just had, what do they, what do you mean you're leaving? I thought this was the whole point. Everything was leading up to this point. And then he starts to give them um, these instructions, right? And that's what we've been looking at is, is because these instructions are for his disciples to carry out his mission after he's gone. And so that's what we want to know, right? As his disciples. And it's just as I was processing that over the last two weeks, um, it, it reminded me of, um, kind of an experience I've, I've had as after being a youth leader. So at our last church, Amanda and I were the youth leaders for about seven years, um, just right after we were married, right up until we had Micah was a couple years old. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we were the youth leaders. And something that happened kind of near the end of that and then, and then afterwards was I would have my, these former youth of mine that would contact me, and they'd, just be, they'd be wrestling with some of these, you could say wrestling with their faith a little bit, and, and so they contact me just to kind of, of talk about it. And in the questions that they were asking, at first it just sounded like they were just kind of doubting everything they'd ever believed or been taught. And, and most of them were like kids that grew up in a Christian home. They'd gone to church their whole life. They'd been to youth group and Sunday school. And they asked Jesus into their heart at some age. They'd, they'd been baptized at some point, you know. And now they were in their early adulthood. They were, maybe they were in university or college or starting their careers, right? And, and they were asking these questions. But, and sometimes it was the parents that were coming to me and saying, hey, my, my child, like, I don't know what happened. Like, we, all the way, we are so faithful all the way through church and everything, and now they, they seem to be asking these questions. They're doubting their faith. They're turning their back. They're walking away. And, uh, and as I start to have these conversations with the youth or former youth, um, what I realized is that it wasn't so much that they were doubting what they'd been taught. I'd ask them. I'd say, do you, like, have you, you don't believe in God anymore? And they go, and you could even hear it in their talking. They're like, no, I do. I, I believe there's a God. I believe that. I've been t- I believe the Bible's true. I believe Jesus really came. But they'd ask questions like, why even pray? What's the point? Like, what, why, why, why do I have to pray? Like, what, why go to church? You know, why, what's... But, and I realized that what they were struggling with was they wanted it to be real. You know, they were trying to connect everything they've learned growing up 
to real life. And here they are in early adulthood, and they're looking forward to, to the rest of their life. They're choosing their career, their educational path. Maybe they've got their eye on a, on a significant other. You know, they're looking at marriage and family and all these things, right? They're looking forward to the rest of their life, and they have all these things they've been Honestly, the, my parents were good. They not only taught me the truths of Christianity, they lived it. They honestly lived it as an example before me, too. And, and I had a great church experience. And I know not everybody can say that. I can say that. I can say I had a great church experience. I had Sunday school teachers and youth leaders who poured into me and taught me these things. And I am so thankful for that. It provided me such a foundation. But when I got to my, that same kind of age, that early adulthood, the, the catalyst for me was I just kind of came to this point where I went, if, if everything I've been taught is true, if there really is a God creator of the whole universe and created every single one of us, and he has, I've been taught that he has a plan for my life, like he cares about my life, it's not just a God far out there, like he cares about me and my life. If that's true, if there's really a heaven and a hell, you know, if there's an eternity, if that's true, right? And then the one that really got me was this, I've been told over and over that Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Anybody ever heard that one? right? Especially, that was the big thing last number of decades. It's a relationship, not a, not a religion. And I, and, I think, and I go, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a relationship with God? I, I know what it means to have a relationship with a person, but what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Almighty creator, God, right? What does that look like for real? I don't want to just hear that, be told that. I want to feel it then. If there's something real, what's a real relationship with a real God look like and feel like? And that sent me kind of on my journey. And I, I didn't rebel. Some kids end up, it looks like they're rebelling because they're trying, they're, they're kind of in this place. And so they end up trying things, the world, they're trying to figure it out. Um, other ones, I didn't, I didn't really rebel, but I questioned everything. I wanted to know it was true. If this is really true, then it's, it's got to be more than just an hour and a half a week at a, ch- at a church, reading the Bible, praying a little bit. It, there's got to be more to it. It's got to it's govern my whole life. It's the only way it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for all those things to be true and then it just to be kind of show up on a, a church on a Sunday and read my Bible some mornings. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just, there was just way too huge of a disconnect. And I wanted a relationship. I wanted something real. And I think that's what the disciples were struggling with. And that's kind of the framework, I think, as we go into this. It's, that's really what the spiritual life is, isn't it? The spiritual life is, who is God? You know, where is God in my life, and what does he require of me? And I think that's what every human is asked, you know? That's what, even, that's, I believe that's where all the other religions in the world come from, is man's search to answer these questions. Is there a God? Who is he? What does he want to do with me? What's he expect of me? What do I have to do? Those questions are what, where all the other religions come from. And, and it's where we as Christians have the truth that can answer those. And so I kind of broke it down here. That kind of, there's the experience. We want to experience the presence of God, right? We want to experience something. That's that. There's a relationship there. We want to experience the presence of God. We want to witness the power of God. We want to see something, feel something, experience something in life, in and around us, to know it's real. We talk about salvation, and again, every religion already has, always has some kind of a salvation thing, and what is this? What is God? What is salvation? What is he saving me from? What do I have to do to get salvation? And then often, 
we have some kind of a, what does God require of us? What are we looking to obey? And that, if, can I, does that kind of give a picture of what we're talking about? And if you look at the Old Testament, if we just take the Bible and look at the Jews specifically, you see that, right? You see in the Old Testament, the, they, their experience of God was where? At the, where, is, where was God for them? I, I see a tabernacle being mouthed back there, tabernacle, the temple, right? That's where God was. That's where his presence dwelt. That's where they experienced him. They knew how to get to experience God. They go to Jerusalem. They all knew how to get there, right? What about witnessing the power of God? Well, for the Old Testament Jews and Israelites, they, they had seen it in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, right? Or God coming down on the mountain to meet Moses, Right? And, and God's power was tied to his salvation. For them, salvation was salvation of the whole nation. And so you think of the Exodus and saving them from Pharaoh and the slaves in Egypt, right? And, and so his, God's power was displayed in order to save the nation. That was their idea. And what did they have to do? They had to obey the law. Moses had given the law. So there's the Jews, the Old Testament Jewish kind of, if I was to summarize, the spiritual life for them, right? Obey the law. God's salvation is for you as a nation, deliver you and protect you as a nation. And where is God? He's at the temple. That's where you go to worship him. That's where you can find him. All right? And then you get, but there was also this Messiah that was prophesied. And the Messiah, though, was very much tied to that same idea. He was going to come in the power of God, display the power of God for the salvation of the Jewish nation. Um, that was kind of their, their understanding. And so then we get to, I go there yet. Then we get to, the disciples, right? The disciples, they believe Jesus is the Messiah. And so for the disciples, all of their spiritual life was wrapped up in Jesus, right? They, they experienced the power of God through Jesus. They saw him working the miracles and this authoritative teaching. And so they saw that they believed that salvation was going to come through Jesus. And so that's what now they still thought it was going to be of their nation, that's what, still what they had at first, right? Jesus is starting to burst that bubble. And, and so that's where they saw salvation. And then obedience was to what Jesus was telling them, right? And so you see that clash where when the Pharisees were like, why don't you guys obey this? And it's like, well, Jesus said, you know, we can eat the grain on a Sabbath day. You know, that kind of an idea. And he's helping them understand what the law actually means. And so just to bring us to this point, so when Jesus tells them he's leaving just see how it just shatters their entire spiritual life, understanding. This is the spiritual life they're trying to live. It's gone. They, they got, if Jesus is gone, there's no more experiencing his presence. That's gone. There's no more witnessing the power. You know, Jesus was there doing the miracles. How are we going to see any power? How are we going to experience your presence? You were supposed to be the salvation, and now you're leaving? You haven't thrown, overthrown the Romans yet, you know? Where's salvation? What is salvation? What's happening? And then who are we supposed to obey? We've already made the Pharisees angry. <laughs> We've already kind of done that. And now you've been teaching us all this stuff. Now you're leaving? Like, and so that, does that make sense? Do you see where they're at? And so for us, I think those same questions are the same ones for us. We're looking to answer those questions. How do we experience? That's what those youth, those young people were looking for. How do we experience? Where do we experience the presence of God, the power of God? Where do we see it in my life? I want to know that it's real and, and to know our salvation. And then what am I supposed to obey, right? What am I supposed to do? More than just the rules, right? If this is a relationship, just like the disciples followed Jesus, then how do I get direction in life to know what I'm supposed to do? 
And so that's, what, that's the kind of the lens I want us to have as we go through it this morning. Um, and so let's look. I'm just going to do a quick review. Because this is one farewell speech, um, it's, uh, it just continues on. So where we stopped there two weeks ago, Jesus just carries right on. It was all one speech. So I thought, let's do a quick review, get us up to where we are. And you're gonna, but through that lens of this, this spiritual life, Jesus has just kind of shattered their spiritual life. And they're asking the question, what is the spiritual life? And so verse 1, this is chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 14, verse 1. And we'll just skim through it here quickly. And, uh, and then we'll start really digging into it in verse 15, 16. So first Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And I remember that's where I'd start with those conversations with those young, young adults there was you still believe in God? Yeah, I still believe. You know what I mean? And even the ones who rebelled and kind of went away, most of their testimonies when they came back, it was, I never stopped believing in God. You know? And uh, trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will be with me where I am. So Jesus starts this idea. They were so used to going to the temple and Jesus kind of goes, look at you want to know where the presence of God is? I'm going to be with the Father in heaven. And, and, and so he's getting their eyes past just the here and the now and the physical and where they are. And then, and then I'm going to come get you. And so he gives them that, that trust again that uh, he hasn't abandoned them, right? But he's starting to get their eyes off of just the here and the now and the Jewish nation, and that's what salvation is. Then he carries on, and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. But that I am the way, the truth, and the life, this was kind of the core of the there two weeks ago. And so this is where Jesus is really get to, get, getting to that, what is the spiritual life, right? And Jesus here introduces that the spiritual life is relationship with him. Even though he's physically not going to be around anymore, the spiritual life, there's still relationship is found in him. The way to get to heaven is through relationship with Jesus, and then the truth, he's the truth. We, we, we want to know the truth because that's what we live by, right? We want to know what is true so that we can live by it. We, we don't want to live by false things. That never goes well. And so Jesus says that truth is found in relationship with me. It's more than just a list of rules and do's and don'ts and laws, right? It's the truth of how to live, what to do in life is found in relationship with Jesus. And I think we know this, right? Like, how many times has, when you, if you're a Christian and you've really been seeking God's direction, where it's not that he told you don't do this or do that, you know, this right thing or don't do the bad thing or do the, the right thing. We know those things. We learn those as kids, you know, don't lie, steal, cheat, right? We, we already know those things. What we're looking for when we talk about God's direction is he's the one, has he ever told you to, to do something that he didn't tell anybody else to do? Has he ever told you, I don't want you to go there, watch that, read that, or something like that, when everybody else thinks it's fine? Anybody ever had some of those things? Right? Yeah, that's the relational part of it. That's where the truth is a relationship, not just a list of rules. And that's why Jesus just kept on 
kind of opening the minds to the disciples. You think of all the teaching Jesus gave them. He took the law and he said, but this is what it means in your heart. This is how you can live by it, right? He's the truth and he's the life. Not just the eternal life. He's, he's, he gives us eternal life, but Jesus gives us our spiritual life. The spiritual life that we're talking about is found in relationship with Jesus. Okay? That's where we find that spiritual life. That's where we can ha- experience the presence of God, the power of God working through us. That's how we know what to obey. And that's where we find salvation. Then he carries on. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he goes on. But we talked about this there a couple of weeks ago. That Jesus is, once again, Philip's like, I want to see something. Just like those, those young people are asking. Like, where do I, where does it become real? I want to see Jesus real. You know, God real in my life. And Jesus is pointing them back once again to the relationship. It's not about getting to see the miracles. You know, it's not getting to see, although hearing the words come out of my mouth audibly. I'm still with you. I have not left you as orphans. And I'm still here to teach you. And then Jesus goes on and talks about his power is going to go, is going to still be at work through us. And that's really where we're going to dig into today. Let me just catch up on my notes. And so Jesus ends it with this, that what we looked at there two weeks ago, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments. Right? And, and so Jesus ends it with that, this this, he's redefining the spiritual life. He's, he's saying, I, I haven't abandoned you, even though I'm not physically with you anymore. You're, I'm still with you. We're going to do, you ask me, my power is still at work in and through you. And so his spiritual life, he's kind of re- redefining it this way. God's presence and power is found through relationship with Jesus. God is still actively working in the world through us. And our role in the relationship is still to seek and obey him, right? The verse 15 ended with, with, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so now Jesus is going to carry that on. I wanted to do that review because those, he, he kind of touches on all those essential elements of the spiritual life. The same questions we ask for. Where do we find the presence and power of God and how do we experience it? And all those things, right? He touches on all those, but here he's going to give, as he carries on, he's going to give the key to the spiritual life. And so if you've got your Bibles there, let's read verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit. So Jesus, is, as the, the disciples are completely disoriented, they've lost their entire spiritual life. He's redefining it. It's all centers around relationship with me. How can that happen, Jesus? I am going to ask the Father to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the third person of the Trinity, right? We know that God is three in one. 
He's three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in one being, one divine being, the one true God. And so Jesus says, and this should blow our minds as much as it blew the minds of the disciples, that God himself would come and dwell within us. That's how we can experience God's presence here and now, for real. That's how the power of God can work in us and through us. It's by the Holy Spirit in us. So how does that work here? The, the word here that Jesus calls him the helper. ESV translated helper, the spirit of truth. And so the Greek word there is parakletos. You probably may have heard of that one before. But here's what it literally means. It means called alongside to assist. So Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm going to ask the Father to send you someone to come alongside to assist. And you can see how our English translations, they're trying to get that across. So, so ESV, that's what I'm reading, says helper. NLT says advocate, kind of like your lawyer. <laughs> to, right? He's there to, to speak for you. Uh, NIV says counselor. Um, and King James, New King James would say comforter, right? Trying to get across this idea that the Holy Spirit has come alongside. God has given us the third person of the Trinity to dwell within us to assist us. Isn't that amazing? And so he goes on, what does that look like? How does the Holy Spirit help us? If you jump over to verse 26, um, Jesus is going to explain a little further. He said, but the helper, uses the same word, parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will, and there's kind of two things here, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So he does those two things. First, he teaches us things. And then secondly, he reminds us of what Jesus has commanded. And, and we know this, right? He, the word of God, God gives us his word, but it's only by the Holy Spirit that we can really understand it. Just like Jesus was doing when he was physically there with his disciples and he was helping them understand what the Bible said and helping them apply it to their lives, helping it. He wanted it to, it's about their hearts. He wanted to change their hearts, not just know the rules, right? In the same way that Jesus now said that the Holy Spirit is that for us now. It is the Holy Spirit who takes the word of God as we read it and helps us to understand it, apply it to our hearts, and then live it out. That's the second piece that reminds us of what Jesus has commanded. Once he has taught us and helped us to understand it, then because he's there with us, coming alongside in everything we do, that as we, as we go out into the world and we're going about our day, that's when the Holy Spirit is the one who's there and he's reminding us, like, this is that thing. This is where you, you hold your tongue. This is where you need to speak boldly. This is where you need to apply that forgiveness, that love, whatever it is that he was speaking to you and revealing to you through his word. The Holy Spirit's then the one that can remind you in the moment so you, get, you can live it out. Mm. And so um, that's why we read the Bible. 
You know, and, and that, would, that was how I started to help those young adults. Is they, why do you read the Bible? Not just because it's a, you know, that's what you do as Christians and it's a great thing to do and it's great to live by. All of that is true. But we read the Bible. If you want your relationship with God to be real, God speaks to you, to your situation, what you're going through right now, through his word by the Holy Spirit. And so with that in mind, I just want to encourage you, and I've helped some people as I've taught, like encourage them in how they do their devotions. I encourage you, if that's true, that here's just something to try maybe. Maybe you already do this. But before you go about your devotions, take a piece of paper or maybe you have a journal or something and just take some time with God, just quiet, write down what is it that you're going through right now? What's going on in your life? What decisions do you have to make? You know, what, what trials are you going through? What difficulties, what decisions are you making? Which, where are you, goals? Like, what's going on in your life, right? And then before you read, ask God to speak to you. Ask God to reveal through his word, you know, as I read, will you give me some answers? Will you help me with this? I want to include you in, in my decisions, in my life. And then read, and read with eyes open that God's looking to speak to you. You're believing that you have the Holy Spirit, and he is there to come alongside you in your life. And then... That's why, that's why devotions are so important. And that's why we strive to do them daily. Because if you can do that, and I encourage you to do it in the morning. I'm not saying you have to or anything, but I just, it's one of those things that if you go into your day having God, this is what I'm about to encounter today, Lord. And I want to do it with you. I don't want to do it, I'll go off on my own and doing it in my own way. I can do a lot of things in my own power. But I want to enter today with you. Here's what's going on. You read his word, you listen. It doesn't mean he answers every question every day. Right? Sometimes his answer is be patient, right? Sometimes it's, it's be steadfast. Sometimes it's wait, right? But sometimes he gives you an answer. And, and then you go into your day, and now your eyes are open to God. What are you looking to do in my life today? Where are you acting and working? And you can, you can carry on your day that way. That, doesn't that sound much more like a relationship? That's a relationship with God. And that's what... He's really getting at here, if we go back to verse 16 and 17, just the second half now down in 17, this spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And we have the fortune of being post-Pentecost, post-resurrection. We can just say, for he is in you, right? That's the reality of what we say we believe as Christians, is that as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, assisting us to live out the spiritual life. And this is the challenge. This is the part that really challenged me as I was studying in in that. And I just thought, how much of my day, how many things do I do on my own power? I mean, how crazy is that? I just say, how dumb is that? I have the power of God in me for the purpose of helping me. That's why Jesus gave it, to assist me in my spiritual life. And I choose to do it on my own all the time. You know, why do we do that? 
And I wonder why sometimes we don't see God working powerfully in our lives and we don't feel it. And then I ask myself, did I include him? Did I include him in that decision? I wonder where I'm in this situation. I go, did I include him at all in all, all the decisions that led up to this point? Did I even ask? You know? God gives us the Holy Spirit to come alongside, but we need to, it's a relationship. We need to ask, we need to listen, and then we need to obey. If we think it's no different, we know this from our human relationships, right? If, you, if you're married, I mean, how, how good is a marriage relationship if you never talked to them, never got their opinion, you just kind of did whatever you thought? You, you're, it doesn't mean you're not capable of making the decisions. You might be fully capable of making these decisions, but how good is the relationship when you don't include them, at, your spouse, at all in any of the decisions you're making? You know, what kind of a relationship is that? Right? And here we have not just with a, a relationship with a, fail, fail, a failing human, right? Another sinful human. We have a relationship God has given us with himself, dwelling in us to help us. And how often do we choose instead to do it on our own? And uh, just so you know, that was kind of where I always left off with, and, and I'm talking to y'all, is um, I just encourage you to try it. You know, if you're asking those questions like, God, I want you to be real in my life. I want to see it. I go, just try it. Try including him in your decisions. Try going, God, do you care about this test tomorrow? Do you care about this relationship? Do you care about the things I'm, I'm trying to achieve? I want you to be included in it. You know? I, I want you to be included. I, I believe these things my parents taught me. I want you to be included on it. And so try. Try the relationship. <laughs> right? See what it's like. Isn't that so much more exciting to be in a relationship with God than just follow a bunch of rules your parents taught you? And, and so I encourage you to try it. You're going to mess up. Sometimes you're going to think you heard and you didn't. Sometimes you'll just fail because, hey, the flesh is hard. But, uh, but I encourage you to try it. And that goes for all of us. That relationship is something that we can build on and it can grow just like in a marriage. The longer you're together, the longer you spend time, the more intimate it gets, right? The better you know the person until you're finishing their sentences. And then Jesus encourages them with this. Then afterwards... I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Sounds a lot like something we already read, right? That's how he started this whole thing off. And so he comes back after telling them that he was going to give them the Holy Spirit, send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Now he says it again. Do you get it now, disciples? See, I told you I wasn't going to leave you alone. I wasn't going to abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. He's talking about his resurrection, right? I mean, the world's not going to see. I'm going to die. And he appeared to just his followers just a few times there for 40 days before he ascended back to heaven. And then he gives this promise, because I live, you also will live. I love that. It made me think of this verse from Romans. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life or give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
And so the Holy Spirit, that peace that I won't leave you as orphans, he gives us the, the Holy Spirit not only to help us to live out the spiritual life here, but as a guarantee, it says in Ephesians, is a promise that we can know for sure that because we have the Holy Spirit, there is a sure resurrection for us, an absolute guarantee promise, no doubt about it. We can look forward to that day when, uh, when we too will be resurrected and then have eternal life. And uh, I'm going to leave the rest of the verses that we had uh, kind of skipping over a few here. Um, and it goes down to kind of close it off here with verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. So Jesus is just saying he's, he's now given them a picture of what the spiritual life will now look like. He's leaving physically, but the power of God, the presence of God, the teaching of God... He's not taken that away. That's all still with us through the Holy Spirit, right? That is the spiritual life. And so he reminds them, but the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. So he leaves it with that. That peace, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And I've said before, it's more than just absence of conflict. Okay, like we kind of sometimes think of the English word. Shalom was, in, was the idea that everything is in its right place. I was where, last time I mentioned this, I said that's, my picture of it was, is when Amanda sits down with a tea after the kids are in bed and the house is clean, right? <sighs> shalom, peace, right? It's that kind of a picture. Everything in its right place. Ah, peace. And Jesus says, because of the Holy Spirit, because of that, I'm still with you. Remember our, our memory verse, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Peace, my peace, I'm giving you that peace. No matter what happens in the world, and then he contrasts it with the world, not as the world's gives, do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so he's giving this picture, how often do we look at the world we look at everything going on. We, we experience everything going on. We experience the trials and the difficulties. We experience the temptations of this world, right? Everything that pulls us. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you something the world can't give, right? The world can't give this. This is something you'll never find, no matter how many lotteries you win, no matter how much money, how successful you are, no matter what you try, you'll never be able to experience what I'm giving you. The presence and power of God in your life. It's only available through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm the one, and it's by the Holy Spirit living in you. And so to close, the, as I was just, I was still writing this sermon, and, uh, and we had our prayer meeting on Wednesday. And we were in, in the prayer meetings. Everybody's welcome, by the way, if you ever want to come out to prayer meetings. It's Wednesday night here at the church. Um, and we're in the Psalms. And, uh, and we were reading Psalm 73, and I just thought it summed this up so well. It said it so well, because uh, it's, it's, the psalmist is kind of talking about that. He's looking out at the world, and he's going, man, the world is so messed up. <laughs> There's so many evil people, and it doesn't look like they're getting punished for what they should. They're actually getting more successful. And it's kind of tempting, if I'm honest. I'm obviously paraphrasing. But, you know, it's kind of tempting. I'm kind of being sucked in by this but I don't want it to be that way. But I'm also frustrated that 
if, if, why is a Christian life so hard sometimes when I look out and the world seems to be having it so easy? And he's wrestling with those things. Anybody relate to that? Hey, when it comes to living out the spiritual life? But then he ends it with this. Listen to this. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Isn't that that picture of come alongside the helper, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit? You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Remember how, forget which English translation, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny, that, whole, that in eternal life, right? The Holy Spirit is a guarantee, Ephesians 1, 13, 14, of, of our eternal life. That glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on the earth. We say that. My health may fail. And my spirit may grow weak. Those are the struggles we encounter in life, isn't it? But God remains the strength of my heart. Something the world can't give, but the world can't take away either. He is mine forever. Amen. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. He's looking to the future. It may look like the evil are having all the fun nowadays, but when we get the big picture, this life is but a vapor, right, compared to an eternal life that he's, he's giving us, offering us. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. Right? And he, the psalmist is writing this in the Old Testament. We could say how good it is to have God dwelling in us. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. See, I, I just love how it ended there with, he wants to go out, we want to share it. When we have a real spiritual life, a relationship with God, we can't help but share it right? It's not about sharing the rules that we live under, the religion we're a part of. We're sharing the relationship we have with a very real God. And so, um, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you came in with. I don't know what burdens you're carrying this morning, what trials you're going through, what temptations you're fighting but we know Jesus is offering his peace. If you're a Christian, that peace dwells in you. He's your helper. If you have a need, I don't know what needs did you bring in today. He's your helper in time of need. Maybe you're in trouble. He's your advocate, right? Like a lawyer. He's your advocate in time of trouble. Maybe you're going through a tough time, pain and trial. He's your comforter in your trial. And maybe you're, you've got some decisions to make. It says that he is your counselor right? in the unknown. He'll give you direction. And so we're going to close with that. We're gonna, Rick's going to come up in a moment and sing a last song. But um, I would just encourage you, if, if you don't know what it is, to have a relationship with God. If you don't know what it is to experience the presence and power of God in your life, 
I don't care if you grew up in church, been in church for 50 years, right? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's what matters, right? On that day, nothing else is not going to be how many times you went to church or what you read, what verses you memorized. You're going to stand before him and he's going to say either, I knew you, I knew you, or I didn't know you, right? Does Jesus know you? Do you have that relationship with him? And if you don't, um, we welcome you. If, he's, if you're looking to enter into that relationship, and as I was thinking about this this week, it just reminded me that we're not always going to have all the answers. How many people can, has a testimony where they can say, I became a Christian when God answered all my questions and I understood it all. Anybody? No hands. Not one. Right? That's just not how it works. And we know that from really, how many people, bring it close, how many people knew everything about their spouse before they married them? Yeah, no hands to that one either, right? Isn't that really silly? But that's just it. God, it's a relationship. It's not about getting to a certain point, answering enough of your questions, right, that you're ready. If God's saying to your heart, right, and he's inviting you into a relationship and you're ready to do that today, um, then I invite you to come. Grab the hand to someone that came with you. Come on up. Prayer team will pray with you during the last song. Come up after. Talk to somebody, okay? But I invite you to come up. And, uh, or if you just want, you're struggling with some of that stuff, that spiritual life questions. You're in that place in some way where you're going, I want this to be real. I know all the stuff. I've heard it all before, right? But I want a real relationship then I encourage you to come up, talk with somebody, pray with somebody. Um, and so you can do that during the last song or afterwards, and there will be someone here to pray with you. Let's pray together. <laughs> oh God, we thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to dwell in us. A truth that we can hardly fathom. That you would give us your Spirit to lead us and to guide us, um, to remind us of, of the eternal life that you paid for. Lord, you invite us into a real relationship. You created us. You know what is the best possible life we could live. You know all the ways to experience life. Lord, you designed it. And then you paid, you bought us eternal life with a price, with your own blood. And now you give us your Holy Spirit to live it out, Lord. And so might we rely on you, open our ears, open our eyes as we go into our week to live by you, Holy Spirit, in every interaction that we have, in every decision that we have to make, Lord. Might, might we hear from you and walk in the steps in the light of your path. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.